There's an organized hierarchy in the spiritual world. And that's what those lists, authorities, cosmic powers, there's a stacking kind of effect there. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a part of a series we've been doing on spiritual warfare, going through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We're praying this is useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Today's passage is from Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So uh, we are in the midst of a, a series on spiritual conflict. I, I you know I didn't just to just to explain something. I, you know I you know I I did this because I had a, a leading a sense that, that it was the right thing to do, and and it pivoted really well out of John chapter thirteen, where Satan enters Judas. So it gave it, it seemed like the perfect kind of pivot point. And, and but then you know as these things go, you begin to you begin to realize, or I began to I have begun to experience. Uh, I'll just put it bluntly, that that choosing to preach on this seems to have painted a a large bullseye right on my posterior, and the enemy is having target practice. It just feels like having pre- wanting to preach about this like incites it. Like it creates the problem. It like the problem seems to like expound or expand or exponentially increase around you. I, I don't know. And we'll talk a little bit about why I might think that. Like what? How do I arrive at that conclusion? How do I know that there is some sort of satanic issue going on? How do I know that's not merely my own mythic reinterpretation of the facts? How do I know I'm not nutty? Well, it's most people would think I was nutty, but I want. But I want to turn first, I guess, and I, I want. I want to give us eyes to see, and I don't know how to do that. And I, I, and I wrestle with the same things you do. I have a skepticism and a materialism. I want, to, I want things proved. I don't want to just 
move forward on some conjecture that, that oh, there's a, there a demon in the corner, or is there one over there? I don't want to involve. I don't. I don't want to participate in superstitious thinking that there's a demon in in my in my briefcase. And if you think that sounds like an exaggeration, you're not paying attention to how weird Christians get about this stuff. They get weird. They get really weird. But I do want to capture something. And I guess I'm reminded if if I was, if I could serve you, this is how I'd want to serve you today. I'd want to serve you the way Elisha served his servant. This is the story, and I don't know what you do with this. The king of Syria, in the, uh, in, uh, was Syria was one of the ancient enemies of Israel. <laughs> it's amazing how the past continues into the present, isn't it? <laughs> so some 3,000 years ago, Syria and Israel were at war, constantly raiding, and, and Syria was raiding all the time. So the king would, uh, the king would, he would send out his raiding parties, just a, you know, a little surgical raid. I'm going to go to this little town or that little town or that little village and, and something important. And, and they would, and, it would, and then what would happen was Elisha started telling the king of Israel, not once, but we don't even know how many times, but a number of times exactly where they were coming before they got there. So it was weird. It was like Israel had intelligence, right? They had, it, they had intelligence on the operations of the enemy, and they were able to preemptively be in the place where the enemy was coming. Well, it, was, it was amazing. Now, now, the king of Syria said, uh, he gathered his, his leaders together, and he goes, all right, who is, who's, who's the spy? Who is it? Come on, who amongst you loves Israel more than me? Be, uh, more than you love me? Because somebody is telling, uh, telling our enemy right, every, every detail. And one of, the, one of the people, one of the men says, well, O king, <laughs> uh, you're not gonna, this is kind of wild, but let me tell you what's going on here. I, I actually know what's going on. There's a guy named Elisha in the, in, over there. He's a prophet. And he is able to tell the king of Israel what you say in your bedroom. That's exactly what he says, by the way. <laughs> and they can imagine the king, that may, that maybe that pushed him over the edge right there because who knows what he's saying in his bedroom, let alone with his generals, right? <laughs> and, his, and his leaders. So the king of Syria uh, says, all right, well, we need to go deal with this. Let's go. And he sends out a strike force, uh, an assassination squad, a death squad. They're going to go and they're going to they're gonna wipe out uh, Elisha. Elisha's in a little town called Dothan. And so then they set it up, and, and I mean, they, they go at night, and they surround the city. They are ready to take it, and uh, this is where we encounter the story. And the servant of the man of God gets up and went out in the early in the morning, and an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. (laughs) I I love this story. I love this. This is the gift. If If I could be like Elisha for you, Agatha, it would be, Father, let Agatha see. If I could be, if I was Elisha for you, Sidwin, I would say, Father, let 
open his eyes so he can see. So he can finally perceive that there's something else going on. There's something else much more fantastical and much more alive than even this life, even this world. That there's something even bigger in its reality and bigger in its truth than what you can see and taste and measure and know and what you think you know. And, oh, that's what I want. We, and we, we need what we need, this augmented view of reality. This is what we need in order to engage in Ephesians 6 and to use this text with any wisdom. And, I've, and so every week I'm trying, in one sense, I'm, I feel like every week I'm trying to convince you that this is the real problem. <laughs> and, and so that we are alive with those possibilities of the problem and the, and the solutions. Like next week... I've never preached on this before. Next week, I'm going to preach on who the devil is, what his story is, and what his schemes are. Do you remember that? The schemes of the devil. I'm sorry. Right here. Where it says here in the, the schemes, the plans. You know what this word in, in, in Greek is? Methodios. <laughs> we get that word method from it. The methods of the devil. And who is the devil? I actually look at that next week. Because it's strange. It's odd. It's weird. But this week, I want to look at... Verse 12 in detail, especially these four groups, rulers, authorities. This is, by the way, in Ephesians 1, to the same list and part uh, against the cosmic powers. That's, by the way, that word cosmos there is the word for the world. The worldly powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we're going to keep opening this up and next week we'll get even more detail about what some of the, some of the actual personalities involved. But this week I was hoping that we would, we would not, I'm going to go there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I don't care. I don't give, uh, give away my, my, my punchline or something. But what I want to do is I want to engage us into something. Have you ever heard of the world, the flesh, and the devil? Have you heard this have you heard this tri- this unholy trinity called the world, the flesh, and the devil? Have you ever heard this? If you haven't, I'm about to help you out so much, you're not going to believe it. I'm not kidding. Because once you hear this, you're going to go, once you get, gonna get it in your head, you're like, oh my goodness. And what, we don't really know which great theologian first thought this. It kind of almost mirrors the temptations of Christ and, and, and in parts and the way they, he interacts with them. We're not going to even go there yet. We're going to look at those tactics later. But hear me here. The world, the flesh, and the devil. That's how usually that kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But we have three lenses we, we're given in the Bible to understand our struggle with sin. I understand our struggle with doing the things we don't want to do or think we shouldn't do or don't want. And another struggle, we have a temptation and all that. Three lenses. And, and each lens gives us a perspective. Each lens gives us an, an additional insight and, and a way of viewing a situation. It, it, sometimes it, we, we get confused. And the reason this is such a good handle, these three, these three lenses are such a good structure for us to think in, is we can get our head around it and we can see any given situation may or may, may or probably has some part of each one of these. Each crisis of your life has these parts, like a fleshly part, a part where you're talking with the, what's the flesh? The internal, that active part of you that still wants to do wrong. And do I need to explain this any further? Do I? Oh, because we, we all know it. We all know that we, we are actively wanting things we don't want to want. <laughs> and, and we're actively doing things we don't want to do. And we're actively thinking things sometimes we don't want to think. What is that? What's this, what is this battle inside me? And the Bible talks about it as your battle with the flesh. 
your battle with the flesh. Now, the text said we don't battle against flesh and blood, but that's just talking about physical people. It's not talking about flesh as in the struggle with your old nature. So that's the first lens. It's one of the ways you look at the world and understand it. Why do I want this stuff? Why do I do this stuff? Yeah, let's just stop here. Stop being surprised that you sin so easily. Stop it. You're not paying attention to what the Bible tells you. It's true about you. You have a perverse nature, and it's sticking to you like glue right now. Don't be surprised any longer. That's the first lens. It's an internal one. The second lens is an external one. And this is the the world, or the cosmos sometimes. It's the system of people, power, and ideas that are against God. And the scriptures talk about this. Friendship with the world, with the cosmos, is enmity with God. And this is like everything. You can mash it all up into, into hedonism. Hedonism is one of the easy ones, right? What's hedonism? Loving pleasure. Ooh, I just love pleasure. It usually means like loving drugs or sex or rock and roll or some mixture of the three or all three at once. Who cares? Right? But it's the seeking after pleasure. And it's not necessarily that. You can be as much of a hedonist in, in, uh, in uh, just having a nice, beautiful lifestyle and a comfort and a beautiful home, and the things you, hedonism, what makes you feel good, and serve it, and seek it, and love it. Well, that's the world, and, that, and that's, it's the external principles, and the external ideas, and it haunts you. You know what I always think of the world, and it's going to be a, kind of a practicum, is when I see a billboard. When a billboard, and it really says something like, you do you, or something like that, you go, yeah, 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 yeah that's the world. <laughs> that's the world. That's the world attacking you, giving you, telling to give you data or ideas, and asking you to live by them. And it's one of the lenses by which we understand our struggle. Well, I'm going to unpack all this in a second here. But what's the third one? The one that we don't account for most often. The one that seems the most mysterious. At one, the one that's actually the hardest to quantify, and that is what the demonic, the invisible. And what is this? A personal, active, intelligent beings that war against Jesus. It's the best way to put it. The God of this world he is called in 1 Corinthians 4, 4. And so it's this last one. It's this last one that I'm wanting us to, and I'm wanting us to see something. I'll, I'll, give, I'll just go right to it. I'll just give you an example here. So there's the three lenses in action. Let's say these two events. Somebody says, someone says something bad about you. Corey, they saw they said trash about you, and it happens to be true. What are you going to do about it? What's your flesh say? Uh, What's the flesh say? Well, you should know this about the guy who's talking. What's your flesh want to do? Attack! Counterpunch! He said that about me, I'm going to say something bad about him. It's almost instinctual, isn't it? And when we have that instinctual reaction, that's flesh. You can't even control it. You're ready to tear somebody apart the minute they, they attack you. Someone says something bad about you. You're, how about here? Uh, let's say I'm going to pick up. Eric, you're not being appreciated at work. For, at work for your, I know you don't work very hard, but <laughs> you would still say this, I think, out of your flesh. I deserve better. Then you're probably just thinking that right now, aren't you? <laughs> I deserve better than this, right? And our flesh, our flesh, is, our flesh has it's always it's the auto response. It's your autoimmune cell, uh, sin, sin system, right? And, and you, you do it with your wife, you do it with your kids, you do it with your boss, you do it all the time. You get angry. I did it this week. You know, what I did too. I did my dog. He just didn't listen to me about one thing, and I was enraged. It was stupid. What was that? It was my flesh. 
What about the world? Okay, someone says something about you. What does the world tell you? Sue them for everything they've got. Go back. You, you protect yourself, buddy. You, go out, you, you sue, for, sue them for defamation. Protect your interests and protect your name. Don't let anybody besmirch it. Besides, there might be some money in it. Who knows? Get some damages. Ah, well, this world say when you're not being appreciated at work for your hard work. Well, you know what your problem is? You're not bragging enough. Are you letting everybody know what a superstar you really are at ILM? Are you really doing it? Are you doing it? Frankie, if you're not doing it, no wonder you're stuck. You're not selling yourself enough, right? What does the world tell us? We have to sell ourselves more. Now, let's move to the demonic. This is a little, I always think of the demonic, and we're going to talk about that, because understanding where the demonic lens comes in here is a little bit more of an art at times than a science, <laughs> but it's a little bit more reflective a little later, and it's almost like a voice. Some of those people are talking bad about you, and what does your heart say suddenly one day? Maybe it's all true. Does anybody else have that voice, or do I only hear that one? No, we all do. Maybe it's all true. You hear in the light. Maybe it's maybe if they only knew how bad you really were. Things like that. And it's the thing that kind of gets you, gets you spinning out of control and not able to no longer locate yourself in God's love. What's this? You're not being appreciated at work for your hard work. What is the demonic voice? And, it, and by the way, these are all could be different forms and ideas. I'm just kind of throwing some ideas on the wall here. You're better than all these idiots. And I bet you there's not a person in this room who hasn't thought that at some point at work. Can I get a testimony on this? We've all done I am better than all those idiots. You're better than all those idiots. Three lenses in action. What I'm saying is, for example, for any given crisis, event, problem, temptation, there's like a fleshly angle, and then there's kind of this world, the world, what the world is saying kind of angle, and the way it sells that idea, maybe, and then there's this other angle. It's, it's the angle that whispers in the dark, you know? Well, why can't you do that? I don't, don't you think it's not fair that God said you can't play with that? Or you can't touch that? Or you can't have that? And it's, a we, it's that weird, weird world where, in one sense, we could do this, guys. <laughs> Sometimes this lens, once you get rid of what you know comes from your flesh, and once you get rid of what you know the world is telegraphing, what are you left with? <laughs> weird ideas that you really shouldn't be having <laughs> about yourself and about the world. Why do, why, so do you, now I can see why I want, why I, why I want so much. I'm so eager, like Elisha, to, to pray for you <laughs> and to say, Lord, open their eyes. Because we need this sort of wisdom. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. We're gonna, I want to talk more about how we identify these lenses. This is a little tricky at times, but there are things we can do and ways we can think about it. I'm going to continue to make my argument here. Even here, you can see how Paul is beginning to pull in, in his, in his talk about spiritual battle, the cosmic powers, the powers of this world, and how they're tied with the demonic. And sometimes, look, you're getting a threefer. Sometimes you've got your flesh and the world and the devil all doing the same thing. And that kind of sucks. So, all right. The third lens. There, uh, what do we observe first? 
And these are the things I want you to observe so you understand it. There is an invisible war raging all around us. Um, Hollywood likes to play with this idea. Uh, one of the famous ones was Constantine. I don't know if you guys saw Constantine. He's like fighting demons or something. Um, there's a lot of these kind of movies. Buffy. But how, many, how many love Buffy? Buffy's telling you the truth about the world. There's a secret battle. There's a secret war. It's all around you. And those shows, some one, of the, one of the delights that those shows can give us is they, they're really giving us a view of reality that the, that the writer is using as a way of a, a, a myth. He's using a myth, but we're, we're wiser than that. And we can use it for its truth and learn from it to how to think about it. You know, it, often in those stories, the characters are often in a struggle with other people who don't know about the war. Do you notice that always happens? There's always some guy who doesn't know about the war and they all know about it and they're trying to, they can't tell him and, they, and there's this crisis because they're, everybody's got different information. It's kind of, that thing actually happens. It happens. But uh, the third lens also has another character. There's an organized hierarchy in the spiritual world. And that's what those lists, authorities, cosmic powers, there's a stacking kind of effect there. Now, this is where things get weird. And look, I, I'm going to tell you today, it's all we know. But it's enough to get us going, what the heck? Or actually, uh, without, any, without swearing, what the hell? Seriously. Like, that's what we're actually saying. What is this? What hell is this? And it's being described for us. The powers, these powers of hell and the way they're organized. And I, I just want to introduce you to this because this is one of those things that these are two places where Look, the war sometimes erupts into real time, into space time, in a, in a visual way, in a, in a vocal way. And it does for Daniel. And this whole chapter I recommend you read is very mysterious. But this, 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 this amazing person, the character, it might be God. We don't know who it is. It doesn't identify himself. And he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for the very first day that you set your heart to understand. Think of that. You set your heart to understand. There's a, there's a, a God honors that. Humbled yourself. Get that. The Lord honors those who would seek to understand and humble themselves. Your words have been heard. That means he's praying. We're going to look at this. This is really what the, this is how the battle's waged. And I have come because of your words. Now listen to this next text. Is this? Look, I went to seminary. I got a master's. Theologians don't even know what he's talking about. Nobody does. Nobody's ever, nobody don't, nobody's ever figured out what this is about. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, who's one of the angels, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Anybody want to take a stab at that? No, we don't know what he's talking about. Let's, let's fast forward from that moment about 500 years later. Christ is having a tete-a-tete with a demonically possessed man. What is your name, Jesus says. And this is so famous that whole, whole Hollywood movies have been made out of this one. There's actually a show, isn't there, called Legion now? I think there's actually a show. What is your name, he replied. I wish I could actually have the sound effect. My name is Legion. <laughs> it's like terrifying, for we are many. What? You know how many were in a legion? About over 6,000 in a Roman legion. <laughs> what, is, what am I telling you? What am I t- I'm, I'm telling you that, that 
this third lens requires first that you understand there is a war and second you understand it is an organized an intelligent organization that has plans and works in together. In other words, it's, it's cooperative. They're all working together, aren't they? Otherwise, how would they all be in one person? <sighs> There's a cooperative, intelligent, hierarchical work. <sighs> what am I advocating here? <sighs> Supernatural realism is what it is. But finally, though, about the lens, there are rules for engagement. And what we're going to do is as we go into the pieces of armor, all of this is going to come out. And this is your, this guys, this is the stuff you need to write down. This is the stuff you need to know for there are rules for this. Resist the devil and he will run from you. They can only do what God permits. They are not allowed to be tempted beyond what we can bear. And there's always a way out. And Christians cannot be possessed by demons. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit himself. Amen. And so this lens is giving us, even get, not only does it give us the information about uh, that general, that there's this great war, then it gives us some sense that there's an organized intelligence cooperative work. And it tells you, but don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord has laid down the rules for engagement. Praise him. Trust him. Learn the rules. And we're, what we're going to do is we're going to keep going into them because we're going to keep learning from them what the shield looks like, what the, what the, what the, what the shoes are, what, what the sword means. And it all makes sense. And it all makes sense as, as a part of this battle's being in this third lens that we must have so we can fight this battle and stand. And that's how I want to end with this is using the third lens. How I'm using it in this world. The first thing we have to do is reject the narrow and scientifically a parochial view of space-time. What am I saying? We have to understand that we have been gifted with a greater perspective. We have, we've been given data that scientists haven't been given about the universe. And, and as they struggle and understand quarks and, and the universe and, and its expansion... That's, they're doing good work. There's good scientific work going on in the world. But we have to, that is a very narrow slice of reality. It is a, and to adopt that slice of reality is the only one, the scientific one, is to, to really adopt the parochial and limited view that cannot account for the... And I'll tell you what, this is the point at which you begin to understand the second thing. Conspiracy? How do you suppose you... You bet there's a conspiracy. Have you ever heard that, that expression? Just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you, baby. Yeah. Just because you're not paranoid about demonic presence doesn't mean it's not following you around with intentions for you, your family, your life, and everybody you love. Oh, yeah. Just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean it's not. Well, what, why, 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 do, why do I include this? Because we need to start sometimes connecting the dots. Do you know what the, uh, you know what the word apocalypse? What's the apocalypse? What's the apocalypse? The book of Revelation, right? In the book of Revelation, there's the dragon and demons, and there's all sorts of wild conflict going on. But do you know what the word apocalypse means? Apoclipso? It just means to remove from or take away the veil. And that's part of what Revelation's doing. It's removing the veil so you can see that in history and space and time and the reality of Trump or any other president or any, any other king or, Democrat or uh, despot is, is what? 
part of the work of the, king, the evil kingdom, part of the machinations and designs and purposes of evil. You are permitted to connect these dots, <laughs> and we should, and we must. I do it in little ways. I'll do it in little ways. Well, we're getting excited about this, this, uh, this uh, thing on spiritual uh, warfare. I, I want to do the Invisible War uh, series this summer, right? And just as we're kind of wrestling through it, uh, a smattering, uh, it'll be Corey and then Stephanie and then Will and everybody, and I'm, I'm talking to them all. They're all core people in the church, in the leadership, and every one of them is getting beaten up. This out of nowhere by something. And I'm sitting there going, now I used to be like this. You know, what are we to do? Oh no, you know, we, Henny Penny, everybody's going to leave. Uh, wait a second. Take a deep breath. Can start connecting the dots. Don't be dismayed by the fact that it looks like everything's against you because everything is against you. Just don't be afraid anymore. If things are getting unveiled. Third, we have imperfect knowledge. Uh, you, know what the, you know where this expression imperfect knowledge comes from? Anybody know where that comes from? Comes from Texas Hold'em. Comes from uh, uh, game, game, uh, game theory. And how you make decisions with it on a table where you only have a limited set of data. And how do you make a decision with imperfect knowledge? It's very hard, isn't it? It's harder because we don't really know. One of the ways you make decisions with imperfect data is you do it humbly. <laughs> well, what, kind of, what does humility look like here? Remember those rules for engagement. Nothing will be true about satanic power in this world that that it can never violate those rules. And there'll be, there'll be people, crazy Christians, they'll come and talk to you and they'll, they'll talk and they'll describe how, they'll, 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 they'll throw all this out. <laughs> you know, you've got, and you're not able to stand against Satan. You need my help or whatever it is. Or, and all these weird teachings will come out. Have nothing to do with them. Look through them and realize that when people claim certainty, when they have imperfect knowledge, because that's what the Bible's given us, imperfect knowledge. When people claim certainty with imperfect knowledge, they're full of it. Do I need to tell you what they're full of? I don't think so. Fourth, prayer. <laughs> Putting on the augmented reality and engaging. <laughs> Look, even Jesus, when, 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 when the disciples said, please teach us to pray, made sure, made certain, made sure that one of the petitions was what? Deliver us from the evil one. Because prayer, how will Elisha be able to get his servant to stop freaking out? Because <laughs> he probably wanted some coffee made. You know, what use is a servant who's freaking out all the time? Oh, okay. <laughs> and then you have this prayer for, that's, how do we get there? Prayer. Did you notice how does Daniel get the insight? How does Daniel get the insight to stand against all this demonic and these, this image that he's given? It's prayer. Prayer. I would say that, Nellie, when you get on your knees to pray, Satan runs. There's nothing our enemy can do against a, a daughter, her son, who simply goes, does this. Father, help me. That's it. He cannot deny himself. He can't deny himself. You're his self. You're his, his self. Praise him. It's putting on the AR and the augmented reality we'll be able to see. Fourth, belts keep your pants on. So 
put on this truth. What's the first piece of, what's the first piece of armor? The belt of truth. I just love that. I'm sorry. I'm going to be doing that a lot, but I always picture it as like a big world wrestling federation victory belt, the belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? Brothers and sisters, do you hear, do you hear what I'm doing right now? You're learning the truth here. This is a truth that you need to know in order to fight evil. You need to know these truths about the engagement, about the truth of it, about who our enemy is and what they're doing. And you, you need this. We're doing it right now. We are like snapping on the belt. Well, I guess an ancient belt wouldn't have been a snap belt, but I'm still going to say we're snapping that belt on because right now, right here in this place, we are declaring the truth. We know what is going on and we believe and trust our father. Fit, uh, six, the more eyes on the problem, the better. Um, everything in this text is plural. Everything. Everything's to y'all. Y'all take up that. Y'all stand. Y'all, y'all put on the belt of truth. Y'all, everything is in the plural. As if to say, you can't even know this truth unless you're doing it together. And so truth comes and truth comes to the community. It, this is the way God has designed this. And so when you're not in community, Nellie, guess what? You don't get truth anymore. That was a personal rebuke to you. And you think I'm not just talking to her, I'm talking to every one of you. And the fact you're not involved in Bible studies is another way you can't put your buckle together. You cannot get truth. Because what we need, and I need it from Deepak. I have to Deepak send this for me. He said, he'll come alongside you and you're in the midst of a problem. And this is what happens. A lot of times you're only using one or two lenses and you're trying to understand, and you're just getting confused. And then somebody will graciously come up because they're not in the situation and confused and bewildered. And they'll come along and they'll go, and they'll have a lens, and they're not in your situation, so they're not really uptight about it. And they go, oh, you know what this is? Oh, I see. You're in spiritual conflict. I've had brothers do this for me, and it's like a light goes on. Oh, and then what do I do? All of a sudden, I'm, Father, help. You see, it just immediately it tells me what to do. It immediately informs me of what the proper action is at this point. <laughs> it's to crawl upon the God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from me. Oh, how I praise him for the times Ted, Sarah's spoken to my life this. You know what my wife told me when I was sad this morning? Well, are you putting on the armor? What she, she's the, see, that's community eyes. And if we don't have this for each other, and if we're not a part of it, no wonder we can't get, we can't even get the belt on. And if you can't get the belt on, the rest of the armor just falls off. Doesn't make any sense. Finally, Getting back to the gospel. God's love is for you. Don't be afraid. What is the most common command in the Bible given to believers? What is the most common command to come from the Lord Most High? Do not be afraid. Don't panic. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, notwithstanding. No, it's the Bible that has that on the cover. Don't panic in big friendly letters. God is in control. Because where do we start? And what are we going to return to? And what ultimately sends the devil packing and our own fears packing? Jesus loves you and he died for your sins. Praise him. On the third day, he rose again from the dead because he's the son of God and triumphed over every darkness that this universe has ever seen. Praise him. 
because we're going to keep going back to the gospel over and over again. And all this is going to be, we're going to be new ways of us going back to grabbing a hold of all that love in Jesus and saying, that's where my power is. That's where my person, that's where my identity is. That's where my, that's where those rules for engagement make sense now because I'm clinging to Jesus. And every time I cling to him, cling to his love, cling to the cross, I'm clinging to his power. No, there's not a, there is not a, there is not a power in all creation greater than that. Praise him with highest praise. Amen. Amen. All right. Whew. Sorry. I got a little excited there. Let's pray for this. Let's pray about this right now. Father, take this truth and seal it to us. Father, I'm here. I'm here in your presence pleading with, with, pleading with you. Open the eyes of my people. Let them see that a greater, greater is he who is in us than any power in all creation. <laughs> Praise you. Father, we heard, a lot of, we heard a lot of information today. And we pray that, you, and I ask that this augmented reality, now, as we begin to see the truth of these things, Help us uh, not to get tripped up by our, our, you know, these limited scientific views of the world and that, but appreciating them, move on to a deeper understanding that this world is more than just uh, atoms and stars and molecules and chemicals. Something else is going on. Help us to see it. Live there. Live in it. Help us to take up these, this third lens and to use it this way, we, we saw here, to use it to, to drive us to prayer, to use it to see more and more clearly, to use it to see for each other. Oh, yes, and encourage each other and to see these things. Oh, Father, I, 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 I pray that, that you would take my words and, and, and the things that I say here, the things that I have said, and, and whatever is not of you, it would just be, it would just be forgotten. And whatever is of you, whatever is spoken by you, I pray everyone would have heard it. They would have heard it deep, heard it deep in the soul and be able to put it into practice. And above all, I pray that you would have gotten glory out of us today, glory out of this message and glory out of our worship of you and your son. And we're so thankful (laughs) this battle, this battle is won. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and take and eat. And in the same way, he also took uh, uh, after, after dinner a cup of wine. And, uh, 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 well, flag and a wine. He poured it. He said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And take and drink this. Uh, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Right before this table... Oh, gosh. Oh, it's all this stuff's happening. Oh. He had told them that Satan was going to enter. Oh. It's all packed in there, isn't it? It's all there. All right. What I invite you to do is if you know Jesus today, if you know Jesus, maybe you didn't understand the thing I said, and maybe you think I sound kind of crazy. Well, just put that aside for a moment. If you know Jesus, you know you're a sinner, and you know Jesus loves sinners, this is your table. And whether you know it or not, this will be, this is an enormous protection (laughs) and enormous power against evil in you and in the world and the demonic. Let me, let me, let me uh, say something that I, 
I don't want to have to say, but I have to say, some of you can't come to this table. Some of you, this table's forever barred. And this table is barred to men and women who think they're good people. Isn't that weird? You never thought it was that way, but that's the way it is. Because good people don't need a savior and they don't know that they need protection. Oh, this would make any sense. And so I, I just, I, 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 if you think you're a good person, I'm going to pray earnestly for you because only sinners are welcome to my father's table. But even as I invite you with joy, some of you are, are skeptics and you just heard me describe an entire worldview that sounds cockamamie. Anybody? I'm sure somebody here must think that, you know, wow. I thought that, you know, he sounds smart. He looks stupid, but he sounds smart. I guess looks one. <laughs> if that's you, I'm, we take no offense at your unbelief. We really don't at all. Not even remotely. But, uh, but we are praying and hoping that you will, you will envy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to watch us and go, yeah, but I want that. And yeah, guess what? You can have that. <laughs> what we're doing here, you can have it by faith. All right. So what do we, we, uh, so let's stand. Let's stand. Will you proclaim to me now, beautifully, let's proclaim it together out loud. What is uh, the mystery, the mystery of our faith? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. I ask you to assent to the following declarations as as true in space and time as having happened. And uh, in order to partake of this ceremony, this ritual, by, by answering this question and believing it, what is it that you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Oh, the years of, when I was slain.